Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. We're so glad you joined us for Jesus the Healer today. We have a real intimate setting that we invite you to into, and uh, we've got a, a few loved ones here that we're uh, getting to minister to. And so grab your Bible, get some notes, some notepad, and you can follow along with us. The last several episodes we've been teaching on the healing miracles that happened under Jesus's ministry. So we're calling this healing school. And uh, the reason we're doing this is that we recognize that if we will do what those in the New Testament did, we will get what they got. So we want to study what did they do? And so we're going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. These are the books that record Jesus's earthly ministry. And uh, there were so many miracles, so many healings that happened under Jesus's ministry. They were certainly not all recorded in scripture for us. For John said, if it were written all that could be written, even the world itself could not contain the books. So we don't want to look at the New Testament as a complete listing of all that happened under Jesus's ministry. It was a sampling. It was a taste. So the Holy Ghost uh, moved upon the writers of the New Testament. The word says that they wrote as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not just writing their feelings. They were writing words from heaven. And so there were 19 individual cases of healing recorded under Jesus's earthly ministry. But as we said, he certainly, he certainly performed not more than 19 healings. But evidently because the Holy Ghost took those 19 individual cases and had them recorded for our benefit. Mm -hmm. Evidently in those 19 is everything we need to know about how to receive healing for ourselves and how to minister healing to others. So we need to study those. If he gave them to us for our textbook, then we need to study our textbook. So what we've been doing is taking these individual healing accounts and we're studying them line by line, word by word. Because if we're not careful, sometimes we just glaze over it. We just skim over the top. And if we don't take time to really look at exact wording, uh, we also realize that while people are watching this, while these people are sitting here, while you are sitting where you're sitting, watching on your television or online, you can be healed right where you're at. You don't have to be in this room. The power of God is present everywhere. And when this word is heard, there's an anointing on the word and you can receive from that. And the word tells us that Jesus went everywhere, teaching, preaching, and healing. He had a threefold emphasis on his ministry. It was teaching, preaching and healing. Uh, Thank God for the flow of preaching. But preaching will primarily draw uh, the attention of the world. It's a proclaiming. Of course, there should be preaching in the church, but primarily you're going to see that emphasized when ministering to the unsaved. The teaching uh, is going to bring us into a knowledge and a revelation of what belongs to us as new covenant believers. So we see that primarily when Jesus was in the synagogues, he taught. You find the phrase that in the synagogue, he was teaching the people because the body of Christ needs teaching. 
When you're taught, you know how to believe for healing. Yes. When you're taught, you know how to receive a miracle, how to yes. cooperate with God. Yes. So as we're taught, and those of you who are watching and you're sitting here along with us, you can receive the knowledge you need to receive exactly what you need from God. The third facet of Jesus' ministry was healing. He spotlighted healing. He put a big spotlight on healing. It's inappropriate. It's inappropriate for us not to spotlight it since his, his ministry was uh, seen in the pre teaching, preaching and healing. Every minister should have that flow teaching, preaching and healing. Now we would look at healings, uh, we would look at miracles and say that those are the works of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And then he said, and greater works. So we can go further in the sense that there's more of us in the body of Christ than there was just him alone. We're not necessarily going to do greater works in quality. We're going to do greater works in quantity. Because there, Jesus, there, he did great things wherever he went. And we're not going to say that we can do greater than Jesus. We can do greater in quantity because there are many of us that make up the body of Christ, but not greater in quality. So we need to emphasize what Jesus emphasized. He emphasized teaching, preaching, and healing. So that's why uh, many people will look at the miracles and healings and say that's the works of Jesus. But can I tell you, when you're teaching and preaching, that's still the works of Jesus. So uh, thank God for dramatic, instantaneous manifestations of God's power, but don't diminish the preaching and the teaching because that is every bit the works of Jesus. And so we, we value this time to take and teach in detail these healing miracles under Jesus's ministry, because if we will do what they did, we will get what they got. So uh, we're going to look at the healing of the woman who was bowed over. We're going to go to Luke chapter 13, and I'm going to take some time and read a large portion of scripture. So follow along. If you're watching by television or online, grab your Bible and follow along with us. Grab a notebook and notes and take notes because we're calling this healing school. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10 through 17. And it says, as Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So notice here, we see what was he doing in the synagogue? He was teaching. Verse 11, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, Thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he turned to the people and said, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, 
Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So let's go back and study each of these verses. Starting with verse 10, it said he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. So there again, we see that he realized that God's people needed teaching. Why? Well, the word tells us um, that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The Old Testament, it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It doesn't say they're destroyed because the devil attacked them. When you know what's yours in Christ, who you are in Christ, what belongs to you in Christ, and you know how to appropriate that, you know how to put that in place in your life, then no attack can take you off course. No attack can bring you low. Amen. And uh, so we should use attacks to become more skillful with the knowledge that we have. So my people, the word says, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's why Jesus was out teaching. So the people wouldn't live a destroyed life. And so if things are being destroyed in our lives, know this, we need to know some more things. I I like what I heard one minister say, and um, they they made the statement that, it might be commonly heard among someone that's going through a test or trial and they say, I'm doing everything I know and nothing's helping. Nothing is changing. Mm -hmm. And I love what this minister said. If you're doing everything you know and nothing's changing, it's because you need to know more. You need to know more because when you know the word and you know how to appropriate it, you know how to skillfully apply that word, things will change. They won't remain the same. So if things aren't changing, it's a grand invitation into more knowledge. Amen. And that's what we're endeavoring to do in these healing classes is give you knowledge, especially in this arena of healing. So um, when people are untaught, the devil takes advantage of their ignorance. Because we know this, that the ignorance gives place to the devil. He is counting on people's ignorance to work against them. Because people who know that he's been defeated, people who know that Jesus stripped him of his power and his authority over us, the devil can't work against those people when people know that and they hold to that. It's when they don't know that that the devil takes advantage of their ignorance. Ignorance doesn't mean you're unable to learn. Ignorance means you haven't been taught. You're untaught or you can be taught and be a poor student. (laughs) You're not listening. You're not applying. And that can leave you in the seat of ignorance. And so it goes on and it says, uh, behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. So notice the word says she had a spirit of infirmity. This spirit was not from God. (laughs) That God doesn't have spirit of infirmities up in heaven that he sends on people. This, it was caused by an evil spirit and a spirit of infirmity had attached itself to her body. So she was bowed over. So we would say it this way. She was bowed at the waist. She tried to lift herself up, but she couldn't. That thing had attached itself to her body in such a way it left her crippled. 
in her body. And so she noticed she had been in this condition for 18 years. The tragedy of seeing this woman try to conduct living when she she can't do anything more than this. And the thing I so appreciate about this is Jesus didn't say, oh, you've been that way so long. Just let it let it ride. Don't get used to something. I'm saying I don't care how long something has tried to affect you. Don't get used to the wrong thing. Don't be okay with it just because so much time had passed. And I will say this. I've learned this, that God will allow you to have everything you're okay with. But if you say I'm done with this, God's power will back you up. So don't get used to sickness over time. Don't get used to things being out of place in our bodies and things not functioning right. Don't be okay with it because it costs Jesus so much for you to be free from it. Now notice this being a Jew, it's likely that she had been attending church all this time. And never received healing. For 18 years, she's been bowed over. This was not her first day at the synagogue. She's a Jew. They grew up going to the synagogue. So she has been visiting and taking her place in this synagogue for these 18 years. She's bowed over. Listen, uh, and notice this. She never received healing in all those 18 years. People should be able to come to our churches and receive healing. Receive help. Our churches should be the place where things change in people's life. If people are not being healed in our churches, we need to find out why. Because it's not on God's side, it's on our side. We're not cooperating or we don't have the knowledge that we need. Or we're not putting a demand on our authority. Amen? Notice she didn't get healed sitting at home. She came to church. She came to church. When you need help, get to church. Get to where the word is being delivered. Don't sit at home and just, if I could say this, pet your difficulty and become self-absorbed about what you're facing and the pain and the difficulty. Can you imagine the pain If she can't bend any more than this, can you imagine the pain of movement? Because your body is not built to be bowed over. Everything is going to be off. The hips, the knees, everything. So for her to move, it was a, it was a difficulty. It was an inconvenience, but she didn't become okay with it and just stay at home. Amen. Amen. She came to the place where the anointing was present. And in manifestation this day, right? Uh, when people need help, get to church. Get to church. Get to where the manifested power of God can meet your need. Can it meet it at home? Yes, but sometimes people need more knowledge to be able to cooperate with that power. So notice she's a Jew. Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. What's that mean? This is a woman that has a covenant. She has a covenant. The covenant of Abraham belongs to her. And Jesus pointed that out. I don't care how long she'd been in this condition, 18 years. The covenant did not lose uh, credibility in her life. The, The covenant did not lose a place. It still belonged to her. 
So notice this, uh, Jesus had made this statement or the, the word tells us this, that she had been bowed over with this spirit of infirmity for 18 years. So she's a Jew. She has a covenant of God, but yet there's an evil spirit in her life. Well, we need to clarify. Can you mean God's people can have a devil? Well, we have to clarify. They cannot have one in their spirit. If you're born again, there is no demon in your spirit. It's not possible because the Holy Ghost is that your spirit is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit and the and demons do not dwell together. They do not dwell together. So we need to clarify that this spirit was attached to her body, not this evil spirit was attached to her body, not to her, not to her own spirit. It was just attached to her body. So you have to understand we are threefold beings. We are a spirit. We're not a body. We're a spirit. We have a soul. Now the soul is made up of the mind, the will and the emotions, and we live in a body. The real you lives inside the body. The body is not the real you. The real you is housed by the body. So she did not have a devil in her spirit. She had this devil that was attached itself to her house. The body was the house that her spirit dwelt in. So uh, in that, uh, people can say, well, I don't understand how... Uh, how how you can be born again and have a devil attached to your body. Well, I love the dad Hagen was our spiritual father and he would explain it to us this way. He said, you might purchase a home. Once you get in the home, a home inspector may say, hey, there's termites in your home. Just because there's termites in your house doesn't mean the termites are in you. And that's the same thing that your body is just the house that you live in. And so just because uh, there's something attached to your house doesn't mean it got in you. Amen. 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 Her body was the house that she lived in. It wasn't the real her. So an evil spirit attached itself to the body. But I will say this. You say, well, does that mean that could happen to me? Not if you not if you have knowledge. Amen. Not if you use your authority when symptoms come and when some, when there, there comes an attack from the enemy, you have a right to say, no, you don't. You take your hands off me. Why? Because the the word says, resist the devil. And what will happen? He will flee from you. He just won't let go. He will run as in terror from you. Amen. Now, you don't want to get in the ditch on the other side and say that if someone is sick, that means there's a devil attached to their body. Sometimes it's a people, it's a it's a case where they need healing only. Sometimes there's an evil spirit that caused that. But we know this whether whether there's an evil spirit causing that that's attached to the body or not. The devil's behind it all sickness in an indirect way. Now here directly an evil spirit was causing this condition in this woman. But that doesn't mean that there's always an evil spirit attached to someone's body. You say, well, how do you know if there is or not? You have the Holy Ghost. He's the one that, especially if you're ministering to someone, that you don't assume that because someone is sick that there's an evil spirit attached to their body. Now he's, the devil's behind all sickness indirectly. But you would have to know by the Holy Ghost. 
as to whether there is one attached to someone's body that you're ministering to. Now we said that, of course, as a believer, you can't get a devil in your spirit. Now, one will try to attach to the body of people who don't have knowledge and don't resist the devil. And you say, well, uh, it seems to me that I have allowed something to attach itself. You can use your authority right now and get it off. You don't have to have somebody to minister to you. You can just stand up for yourself and say, no more, no more. See, once you gain knowledge of what's yours in Christ, that once you realize I can resist the devil and he'll flee from me, not just from the preacher, he'll flee from me. Then you can run off something that has tried to attach or may be attached to you. Your authority will still work for you. Now, we said that every Christian, every, every human is a threefold being. They are a spirit. They have a soul, which is made up the, of the mind, the will, and the emotions, and they live in a body. So we saw that a, a Christian cannot have an evil spirit in their spirit. It can attach to the body if someone's ignorant about yes. what the word says is theirs. Right. Well, what about can a Christian get an evil spirit in their mind? Yes, one way, if they listen to it. If they listen to the devil, that's how they get an evil spirit will gain entrance into their mind and trouble their mind. Amen. And that's why 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says, casting down imaginations. Don't, don't let imaginations in. Cast them down. Imaginations that trouble your life. Imaginations that show, uh, that paint a picture of something negative. Cast it down. Don't turn it over in your mind. Amen. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Yes. What is the knowledge of God? The Word. Yes. If it says something different than the Word says, it's worthy of one thing, casting it down. How do you cast it down? Well, you say, I, that's not my thought. Talk to it. Talk to wrong thoughts. Talk to them. And say, that's not my thought. I resist that thought. I'll not take that thought. And then pick up a right thought. Pick up a thought of the Word. And say that. Yes. And that's how you cast down what is wrong. You pick up something that is right. Amen. Yes. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity, listen to this, every thought. <gasps> Not just most thoughts. Every thought. It only takes one thought getting in to mess up your life. One thought... One wrong thought left unattended and just letting it, taking that thought day after day, day after day, how it will trouble the mind. Listen, the devil only gave Eve one wrong thought. It took one wrong thought to take them off course. One wrong thought, not 10, not 20, just one wrong thought listened to accepted and then acted on if you listen to the wrong thing long enough it starts sounding right don't listen you know how the enemy would love to bring accusations of offense and resentment towards someone to you well you remember what that person did you remember this and 
trying to plant in you a seed of offense. If you listen to it long enough without answering it, it'll get in. So we are the custodians of our body, but we're also the custodians of our mind. Now, we have to remember this. When we got born again, God did something with our spirits. He gave us a new spirit. Yeah, He put His own spirit in you. His life is in us. His ability is in us. Eternal life is in us. We have a brand new spirit. He didn't heal the old spirit. He took out the old spirit. And He put a new spirit in us. So He did something with our spirit. But it's up to us to do something with our bodies and our minds. And Romans 12 tells us that we are to present our bodies to God. What does that mean? Present our bodies to God. Present your body to doing what what God instructs and to what pleases God. Before we were born again, we presented our bodies to sin. Yes. If, 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 If the body wanted to do something, we'd just go with it. We presented it to sin. We're not do, we're not presenting it to sin anymore. Amen. We're not connecting it and and uh, contributing to sin with our bodies anymore. Amen. We say no you don't. I have authority. We've been given dominion over sin. It can't boss us around anymore. So we refuse to yield to it. So we present our bodies to God. Present our bodies to doing what pleases God. Present our bodies to doing what's right. So we do that with our body and then it says in romans chapter 12 verse 2 and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind what's renewing of the mind mean it means to take on god's way of thinking it means that if there's a thought that you've been raised with a way of thinking a system of thinking that is against the way the word teaches you say i i put down the way of the way of thinking i've carried on my life and i take on god's way how do you know what how do you know what god's thoughts are his god's word is god's thoughts god has shared his thoughts with humanity he became an author and said these are my thoughts god offers us his thoughts take them take them And if they're contrary to your human thinking, you set aside your human thinking. You say, no more will I think like this. I'm going to take on God's way of thinking. That's called the renewing of the mind. And when you do that and it starts playing out in the way you respond to people, you, you choose to respond based on God's word. You choose to speak based on God's word. You choose to believe based on God's word. The Romans 12 verse 2 said it will transform your life. Think of it. A transformed life. I tell you what. God did something with our spirits. But it's up to us to do something with our minds and our bodies. And we can because we have the help of the Holy Ghost to do it. Amen. We're so glad you joined us today. You don't want to miss it. We're going to study some more. God bless you. We will see you next time. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store.
This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.